What's up, Slow Drip listeners? This is your host, Zach. And Matt. And we have an exciting announcement. CisternaCoffeeCo.com is officially up and running. We are live. And everything is in stock. Uh, We've got our mugs ready to ship. Right in time for Christmas. Today's date is December the 7th. Um, So everything is ready for you to go. Um, Bolivian coffee's in stock. Thai coffee's in stock. Everything's freshly roasted. Coffee mugs, decals. Uh, This has been a long time coming. The site is beautiful and uh, ready to go. So... Wherever you're joining us on the Slow Drip journey, whether it's episode one or the end of the season, take a minute and go check out our new website and store and uh, pick up some coffee just in time for the holidays. We could just do the whole thing with me speaking and uh, some Buru and you, you uh, trying to figure out what I'm saying. I feel like that's geared to an oddly specific group, though. Yeah, well, we have a, a slight audience up here. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, jumping in again, uh, we made it to Older Gacy. Well, we, we made it almost to Older Gacy. Um, we were headed south. Um, everything was going well, and it was funny because, uh, my cousin had texted me when we were heading out from Nairobi, um, and he was like, hey, cuz, man, I'm just praying for you. Can't wait to hear all the stories. Um, I know what's going on and where you're headed and cause I'd shared some stuff with him and, uh, and so we're like, we're driving out of Narok, which is kind of like the last big town before you run out of tarmac. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that was awesome. I'm glad I got a text from Preston. Um, so far there haven't been any stories. It's been pretty smooth sailing and, uh, um, you know everything's good and one uh, thing that i find i find hilarious is the fact that the last two times that you've been to kenya including this one um the what was it the shock on your on your truck yeah uh, that's what was it what was it this time it was the same exact thing. So that was what I was leading into. Um, I was like thinking like, oh, there's not any stories to tell. Like everything's going super smooth. And um, then like we lose the tarmac just south of Narok. And um, we're like heading down the, the dirt road. And pretty much right when like we're about as far between both places as we can be um the tire on the right driver's side picked a rock threw it into the wheel well and as it was bouncing a while around it broke the shock like broke the shock in half and so like the wheel is like leaning inward into the chassis and 
we're not going anywhere. Um, so, you know, it was just one of those moments where, like, you know, wheels are coming off, literally, and, you know, what do you do with that? And um, we just, we're at a point where it's like, all right, you know, we're, we know God's in control, and so we just prayed about it, and we were able to get in touch with David. He was waiting for us in Nagato, which is a town about 20 kilometers from Old Gacy. And uh, he was able to find a friend of his, which is now a new friend of ours. And uh, so Jonathan Olesena has a vehicle, and we hired it out. And he came, and he picked me up and um, grabbed our luggage and very graciously took us the rest of the way into Older Gacy. And um, Daniel Meissen stayed with our vehicle. Um, and through God's providence, we were total like, we were fine the whole time. Like, I don't even think we lost any time in it, really, other than a couple of hours. Um, and uh, so we were able to find a mechanic in Narok who was like, oh yeah, I've had seen this problem before, no problem. I know the part you need. And he went to the, the shop there in Narok, was able to pick it up, came out in a vehicle, um, and Dan and the mechanic repaired our vehicle in the road, and he was able to join us by one in the morning. Um, so, yeah, we just, we're, you know, cruising and, you know, there's been kind of this theme through the whole thing of just like really seeing where God's been faithful um, at different stages for this whole trip. And uh, that was definitely like a place where like he met us where we were and he was in control. And, you know, I don't even know if we'll ever fully know why, but, you know, I believe there's a reason why we had uh, the breakdown and the pause and uh, you want to know the first thing I thought of whenever I whenever you told me about the because your reaction to it was like very different um the first thing I thought of was a a rainbow like a, a the symbolism of a rainbow is the promise of God that he'll never flood the earth again um mm. Like, what if it was just a reminder? Because your the last time you did it, like you were, yeah, you were antsy. You were, um, like it. It was a lot. Like your reaction to it was a lot different then than it is now. Maybe it was. Maybe it's just a reminder of, of, uh, like how far God's brought you in the last year. Dude, I I totally, totally agree. I think that's, that's definitely. Um, true. And like your response too was hilarious. Cause like, and you, like your response to me, cause I texted you like, well, I texted Iris first and said, Hey, start praying. This is what's going on. And she was cool. Uh, and I texted my mom and dad and said, start up the prayer warriors. This is what's going on. My mom was more worried that, uh, a lion was going to get us because we were stranded in the bush. I think, um, and so uh, everybody's then I texted everybody's you. worried about it about you and I was just like Yeah. <laughs> That's I know, you were like like 
your first response was, well, that seems like a theme. And I was like, dang it, you're right. Like, same exact shock, you know, two trips in a row. Um, but then, like, you, your words were, like, super encouraging, though, too, because you were like, I'm really glad you had a different response this time. And, like, that just re- really centered me, too. It's like, yeah, you're right, um, 100%. And so, uh, yeah, um, we made it to Older Gacy after that little delay and... Um, you know, from there, the next day, so I had been asked by some of the the leadership of AGC to return to the project and kind of see where they are current state, um, and see, you know, if there are any suggestions to help as kind of a sustainability strategist. And so we spent the whole day going over the project and seeing everything and it was it was an incredible almost you know it was a homecoming really uh for me to to be back there i was in kenya last year but we were only in the north and you know our our ministry focus with bhuk global collective is our partner church of agc nairobi and so I had made the hard call last year of even though I'm going to be in country, it really is really difficult to do both sides because it is almost the northernmost place here to like the southernmost place. Um, We are, uh, I think, maybe a hundred odd kilometers from Moyali, which is on the, the border of. Uh, Ethiopia and northern Kenya and older Gacy is 20 kilometers from Tanzania the other way so you know like we're (coughs) we're we're very close on both sides less than 30 miles and so it's a difficult it's a difficult road to to do both um and in you know case in point like when we left older Gacy on Sunday after church it was it was literally three days of driving to get to the next like ministry spot um broken up into chunks but it was uh, from from older gacy to nairobi eight hours and then uh, the next day nairobi to iziolo eight hours and then the next day from iziolo through lysamas to a multi um, eight hours so uh, you know I had I had decided last time that it's just it's difficult to, to do both just to see the place and so we really prayed about it this time around and felt like it was you know a leading to to go back and and see and it was it was so so sweet to to be back with all of those guys and just the the faithful ones that are still there working on the project and and keeping it going and um to have an opportunity to to worship with them in the the agc church there in older gacy and they had invited me to to preach and so 
um, it was just really powerful and just a great time. Uh, and man, I'll tell you, like leaving that morning, like it was an emotional morning before like going to preach in church because um, I'd gotten up and gone for a run and came back and a couple of the the guys that were dear friends of mine almost 20 years ago when I lived there, you know, and and one of them, you know, he came up and his name is Olianko and, uh, you know, his eyes were already starting to get a little moist and he was like, I didn't know you were leaving today. And mm. um, we thought that you were going to be here longer and, you know, I was like, you know, yeah, and we're praying for God's will to see what's going to happen next and, um, and all of that. And he, he's the night watchman for the project. And so, you know, 20 years ago, we would go at night and, and sit with him around the fire in the guard shack and eat news. Like the Maasai eat news. Like that's their, it's a cultural term, but it's like this, this long oratory style of call and response. And so it'll be, you know, one person telling a story and every time they get to a pause, you know, you, you have to respond. You let them know that you're, you're interested and you're listening. So you say like, eh, nah, or sawa, sawa, you know, whatever. You just like, so they would go and, and talk and talk and talk and then, eh, you know, that kind of, and we, we built this, incredible relationship with him just sitting around a fire late at night and and so he's the night watchman still and you know he came and he said I didn't know you were leaving and um, he goes when I found out he said he, he figured out and found out <coughs> late in the night that, that we were leaving and he said I came and and sat under your window your window was open at 3 a.m. I sat under your window and I built a fire and I just sat so that I could be close to you before you left. And then he like gave me this hug like a father would hug a son. And, um, you know, it's just like, man, this, the, the love that I could feel from, from all of those guys that we had been with and worked with and, you know, shoulder to shoulder um, through all of the areas of Older Gacy Development Project 20 years ago. And, and so, like, as great as church was, like, before church began, it was this uh, kind of emotional revolving door because all of these guys that are working at the project now, um, they're, over the last years... They began as young men like me working at the project, and then as they've been in the church and matured in their faith, like not only are they all working the project during the week, but they all are pastoring village churches. And, um, and so they weren't, they weren't going to be able to be at, at Older Gay CAGC when I was finishing preaching and leaving. And, um, so this all morning long before we were, we were leaving, they were coming in and, and saying their farewells and, 
a lot of a lot of hugs and a lot of tears from Maasai men that that don't usually show any emotion. Um, you know, guys saying, "We prayed for you. We prayed for you to come back, and and you did." And um, so it was just it was really kind of incredible. And you know, I think in some of that. Zach, I'm I'm still kind of processing, um, you know, what's next and what do you do with that and um, really kind of just leaning into God. Um, but uh, it's just like there's been a lot of a lot that he's been kind of leading me through and showing me in that and and that was kind of to be able to get to see see that from from them was just a really kind of special blessing. Um, and then, you know, we had church and a great fellowship and, um, and we were, you know, on the road, like I said, from then on, it was, um, pretty much just road travel. And so I'll kind of jump ahead to the next kind of big thing, but, uh, um, yeah, it was like three days of, of moving, um. So we left Older Gacy and um, went, and literally it was at that point, like as from the farthest southmost point um, of this whole trip to the northernmost, because we went past Nairobi um, and went into Omulti and to the village there, which was the church that was planted last year when I was here, and. Um, we wanted to have two days to be with our brothers there and fellowship with them and encourage them as a, a new church that's, you know, getting established. So um, we rolled into Omulti, which at that point literally is like we have said goodbye to the tarmac a long, long time ago. Um, the last like 70 kilometers is no no paved roads and even the the roads that do exist are not graded often and so you're oftentimes like diverging off the main road and just driving through the desert and trying to find your own way and um you know we got there and just the welcome that we received you know they were uh we were so excited to see us again and just to, to be with us and worship and and share fellowship. Um, and I think that we talked about it on another episode about you know just the importance of, of showing up and um, well, just being you know being obedient. With right, you know. So um that's where we we pitch camp in um, the the schoolhouse. So we we uh, made our camp in the school and um, just you know spent time being with them and hearing the stories and and finding out more of what's been going on in the last year. And there's two key players in the the church plant there: a guy named Peter Lacombe and. Um, another guy named Stephen Leamu, and uh, they have been really in- instrumental. And so Peter's kind of the lay pastor, um, 
And so when we got there, he was just so excited. Um, and so, he, you know, he and I kind of like arm in arm walk off as everybody's like saying their hellos and he's talking to me. And um, he was like, let me show you our church. And it's the biggest shade tree. And then he's like, this is the fence that I've made around it. And we all come in here <laughs> and, you know, he's he's put some some thorn bushes up um, and uh, sharing about it. And he's like, and we meet every Sunday and we we worship and we, you know, share Bible stories. And are the thorn bushes his um, fence? Yeah, that's awesome. yeah. So that's like like every every fence around the manata are just like cut acacias that are kind of stuck in the ground and, and outlining uh, different places. And so um, he was showing me that and just super excited. And uh, um, we just, you know, had a meal together and hung out and um, talking. And the next day we got up and, you know, after last year, I kind of was like okay like I'm just gonna roll with the rhythm you know and uh and so anytime that we have a service we do try to do a community meal um and be able to feed the village and anyone that comes and so you know we got up and it was just you know kind of easy morning um kind of getting ready and uh so uh we started, I think around two o'clock we began the service and, and it was just, it was awesome. You know, I just like church under a tree. Um, it was just really, really amazing. And, um, David preached and I preached and we just shared different points in the gospel. And, um, you know, at the end of it all, uh, I don't even know how many, but a, a lot of um, the villagers were raising hands to, to pray a prayer to receive Christ. And so it was just this incredible, like, celebration. Um, and for me, this time around, what was the most exciting was to see that um, more of the, like, village leaders, the men, were, were making commitments. Um, I think that in the church here in Kenya, as a general rule, um, women outnumber men three to one easy. And so when you see, uh, you know, these these village leaders making commitments, it's like, it's super promising and encouraging too because, uh, you know, there's there's a different kind of, hope for how they're going to lead their families now and um, encourage others and all of that. So it was just really cool to see. Well, I know statistically here in the States, it's it's a proven fact. You get the father in church, then uh, the family will follow. And I would imagine that it would probably be, probably be, translate there in, in whatever. Absolutely. In whatever way. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. is a family model there the same as it is here in the States? Maybe not, but like ultimately you get the leader of the family in church and you get mm-hmm. him, you get him to have a, 
you know, start having a growing relationship with Jesus, then, you know, the rest of the family will be soon to follow. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that was super exciting. Um, and then just getting to, you know, be with them through the rest of that afternoon and, and share a meal and just eat together and, um, all of that, uh, was just, was just awesome. You know, like I'm just loving it. And, and like, I think I had shared with you after I, I kind of sent you an update at that point. Um, but there's just been like a, a renewed peace with me in my heart, this trip of like, man, uh, you know, this is, this is, you know, not only like the calling, but it's just what a what an incredible blessing to be invited into to to be a part of what God's doing and and to see it um, unfolding and uh, there's just kind of been a, a different surety of like God's got this we're right where we need to be you know everything is okay uh, even when things don't always seem like they're completely certain and so. Um, it was really cool. Uh, um, man, just, yeah, thinking back over it and just, you know, at this point, remembering faces and remembering conversations and remembering the smiles and the hugs and, you know, there again, we, uh, we packed up the next morning and hit the road and, um, made it back to Nairobi from there, um, in uh, just a couple hours, I think, at that point. And, uh, and so um, when we were getting in, I guess that was last Thursday, that we arrived back here in Nairobi. And so uh, the fence project that we had fundraised for through Beehive was getting started on Friday morning, and we had just kind of planned to set camp and get such situated and yeah, I saw your, um, a big I saw part your photos of, of that mm-hmm. um, and so as we we had planned to just kind of have some time to get situated and um, and chill but a big part of like I said I think a big part of our, our ministry this time has just been showing up and being present and encouraging in the lives of believers that are that are here um as well as preaching the gospel but just being an encouragement and, and being able to say like you know i'm here we're we've come back you know we see you um we've been praying for you and uh, all of that we haven't forgotten uh, so a lot of what david and i have been doing in ministry has been just kind of moving from manata to manata um, on long walks, um, we'll leave camp in the morning and go on a long walk through all of the different villages, and you know, stop and pray with people, stop and and uh, you know, share with them. And oftentimes, if they're you know families that are in the church, if they see us coming, then you have to stop and have tea and and fellowship with them, and then pray. And so, it's just kind of reminded me of a different rhythm too of just uh, 
you know, like Christ ministry, on foot, never hurried, um, you know, always on time, and welcoming the interruption, and and so that's been a big part of what we've been doing while we've been here in Nairobi. Um, the church or the fence project for the church got started Friday morning, and a lot of the the members of the church showed up to help, you know, and they were digging the post holes and, and helping with that. And, um, and so that was just incredible to see, like, it's a community, you know, and it's a community thing to, to do and take ownership of and be a part of. And, um, so that was off and running Friday morning as David and I were continuing our kind of three mile an hour ministry in the villages, which was really cool. And, um, I'll tell you, one of the things that's been interesting for us to see, you know, this time around, or for me to see, because uh, there's always, you know, like, all right, David, what's the, what are the new challenges? What's going on? And, um, you know, it's been three years since there's been a true rainy season here where we are now. Mm. And, uh, and so, like, um, so, I mean, it's desolate, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, with that, what's been interesting is that um, there, there's kind of been a uh, a temptation to um, renew some of these old cultural practices. And so um, we were really reminded of that on Saturday. Uh, we, there's another church planted in a village called Loripa, which is about two kilometers from where we are. And um, so we were going to go minister with the, the people there. And, you know, kind of started the day uh, a, little, a little discouraged because, like, because of the drought, more people are moving further away in the manadas, like further from the manadas, driving the goats and the sheep and the cattle and the camels, like to try to find pasture land and grazing. Um, and so we were walking through, and it was like, it kind of feels like a ghost town. Um, there are not many people out. And, um, and then as we were uh, coming into the village, too, we met four ladies that um, were, like, full bead attire and, like, ceremonial necklace collars, and they had painted their their necks and chests with uh, red ochre. And um, David was like, see, you see the red ochre? They're preparing to go um, have a... A ceremony like a cultural ceremony and pray to you know the local gods to entreat them for rain and the night before we had talked to another old gentleman that was in one of the villages that we stopped at on our way back to camp and he had shared a story of you know in a time when there was no rain like this you know they they sacrificed a donkey and there wasn't any rain, and so then 
they sacrificed a male camel. And as the male camel was burning and the smoke was going up to heaven, rain clouds formed and, you know, the God sent rain. And, um, you know, as you're hearing the, them share stories like this as we're eating the news in, in different manadas, like there's been an interesting thing because like they don't name individual gods, but they, you know, say like, there's Nkai in the mountain, there's Nkai in the tree, or, you know, whatever, like, as animus, there's this kind of, um, there's no bifurcation between, like, the God of Abraham and um, the the little gods. Um, but, like, we have seen, you know, just kind of like the, the pull of the enemy, like the temptation to return to those old ways, which, you know, is it's in scripture like don't don't be deceived to return to your old ways like whatever mm -hmm. those are and um so as david and i have talked and prayed together and and in ministering as we've gone around like that's really been something that we've tried to address in preaching and in talking to people of like hey it may be tempting like but you have these stories that tell of these things that worked in the past but like that's not the god that we serve and we serve the high king of heaven and um because he sacrificed his son no other sacrifice will ever measure up to that you know so um in that uh, in that way, like really just trying to speak truth into those places. Um, and it was just a really stark reminder Saturday to see that as, as we were going around. And so we, we ended up having a, a really good time of fellowship in the, uh, Manatas in La Ripa. And as we were coming back out and moving back towards our camp, um, these four ladies had started up their, uh, ritual and uh, so we saw them like walking through the the riverbed singing and um, I told David later you know it brought to mind like the story of Elijah on the mountaintop with all the prophets of Baal and Asherah you know it's like maybe he's asleep maybe he can't hear you maybe you need to shout a little louder um, but at the same time like on the one hand, like I think we, like we talked about in flannel boards, like you grow up with these stories and you're like, oh wow, like I can't believe people, um, you know, believe that. And then when you encounter it, it's like, you know, it's all real and it's very real to them. And yeah, so like even in, in it being brought to mind of like, you know, this story from scripture at the same time, like there was just sort of this like hollowness of like, you know, this is, this is sad to see and real and, um, you know, all we can do is pray. And so, you know, we're praying, um, over them and over the ceremony as we're walking by and, um, uh, you know the con so. the concept of that we talked about. We, gosh, we talked about it in rhythms. We talked about it in 
Flannel boards, Christian by default. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but like our default living in the Bible Belt and just being surrounded by, you know, Christianity and like that being our norm, like mm-hmm. we, we have turned out to be um, like our default setting is to be Christian or this this uh, cookie cutter uh, Christ in a box on a shelf Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that the same thing translates like we talked about in rhythms like like uh, like when we were in Turkey um, like people people are they know that there's a void in their in their life in, in I mean you can feel it in your soul that there's this void and people try to fill it and like uh like people my age in their in their 20s and 30s like my generation they they see that islam isn't working but mm-hmm. nobody's taking them the information of anything else there's so they're islam by default they're islam because mm-hmm. their parents were islam and or or muslim and their parents were Muslim, so they're just like, well, I don't know anything else, and nobody's told me about anything else, so I'm going to assume that this is the only option available to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, I think that there's a lot, I think there's a lot to unpack there in in the the necessity of being obedient in sharing mm-hmm. in sharing the Absolutely. gospel because yep. i mean because if you think about it like where you're at people don't know they don't know about jesus mm-hmm. and it's and it's not because nobody's it's not because i mean obviously they're trying to fill that void with something they they mm-hmm. understand that there is something out there bigger than themselves they're praying to a god that that doesn't exist or they think that exists. Um, Mm -hmm. But no one's taking the opportunity or people don't take the opportunity to take the news to them and say, this is actually the one true God. This, this, right. This man lived and walked the earth and was perfect and blameless and died for you. This is who you've been searching for. Right. Absolutely. And it's been one of those things that as David and I have kind of talked about and processed through how do we address this and and help, um, you know, speak into it in truth, you know, I've kind of come back to, you know, one of the ways that we can always talk to people about that is, you know, through asking the questions of like, you know, like, if you're serving a God that, that can be coerced, you know, or that through supplication of sacrificing the right thing, you know, a camel or a donkey or whatever, um, like, is, is he really all that powerful? If we can either pull a fast one over on the God that, you know, that we're making a sacrifice to or do enough good things to make him happy enough to do something for us, and I mean that even kind of translates into to some of like those edgy false doctrines within evangelical 
movement to, you know, prosperity or whatever. It's like, do you really want to serve a God that you can, like, coerce to um, give you what you want if you give him what he wants? Like, that sounds more like a man. You know, the God that I, I choose to serve is is outside of that, you know. Like, the only sacrifice ever required was something that I could never, ever give and nothing that I can I can give will ever match that, right? So... Um, all that does is is leave us in a place where we come before the high king of heaven you know arms outstretched and saying I'm completely unworthy there's nothing I can do there's no sacrifice that I can make that would ever be greater than what you've given mm-hmm. and yet from the high seat of heaven you still invite me to call you father and you know, to be with me. And that has been a major point of like the message that we have been sharing with people here is that it's like, there is nothing, you know, there is nothing that we can do or bring to the table that, um, will ever match what he did and brought to the table. And, and I'm so thankful that I don't have to try, you know. I'm so thankful that I'm free from that and that, you know, I'm able to to just live and experience his redemptive love and grace and, you know, live in that truth. Um, and so, you know, as, as we kind of wind down, like that's a big part of what we have been sharing here and... I preached about that on Sunday, um, and then, you know, was able to share on Sunday night the um, the time of fellowship that we have with the shepherd boys. You know, there's there's basically two groups of young men from the villages. There are those that are selected to be able to go to school, and then there are those that are selected to be the ones that care for the sheep and the goats and the cattle. And, you know, the shepherds don't get the opportunity to go to school. And I asked David, I said, so, you know, they basically, at some point, their lives are decided for them. And and that course is pretty much their course of life after that. And he said, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it still is that way a little bit. And, um, And so these fellowships in the evening are, you know, after dark when all of the the livestock had been brought back to the manadas, and so, you know, we had all of them in, and, and I had brought some solar lights that we were able to install in the church, and um, and so we had a time with them, and, and just even, you know, sharing, sharing the story of Noah, and talking to all of these young people about how um, literally everything, the whole Bible was written to point to Jesus. And, you know, again, you know, talking about sacrifice. And I said, you know, you look like God knew that Noah would need a sacrifice at the end of the time. God knew that he was going to preserve Noah and his family. And so he prepared Noah with, you know, these seven pairs of, of clean animals. And so Noah takes the, the sacrifice and, um, 
and makes an offering to the Lord and the aroma is pleasing and God says I'll never curse the earth again like this and and I said so Jesus is in this story and he's that sacrifice and so there's no other sacrifice that we can make you know one camel two camels whatever like that will ever compare to that um and uh so we've just really been leaning into that man and um today uh, monday after all of that um had a chance to walk through the minatas again and be with the people and uh see the fence project beginning to come to completion and it's um it's eight o'clock here we're um sundown and you know wrapping up uh, as we get ready to head to Nairobi tomorrow so um it's been quite quite a journey well the only wish the only thing I wish was different is wish I was there recording this in person yeah man me too um you know I think next time you definitely will be for sure. But, uh, you know, like when we were in Bolivia and you were looking at me and you were like, why are you washing your pants in the bathtub while you're taking a shower? Like normal people don't do that. I'm like, I know you wish that you were here and I can't wait for you to be here too. But like I haven't had electricity or running water for a week. So (laughs) you're going to have to make some adjustments. (laughs) Yeah, baby steps, man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being in Bolivia with you and June and you were like, normal people don't do that. And I'm like, you will. You will one day. You will look back on this moment and you will go, Matt was right. And normal people do do this because this is the way. Like, I... Uh, I took a bath in a bucket uh, earlier, and um, a hornbill watched me bathe. So, you know, just sitting in the tree um, while I was washing off the desert dust, and totally different way of life, man. But it's, I'll tell you, best job I ever had, 100%. So... I would do it all again in a heartbeat. Yep. Well, I think it's about time for a break. I think it's time for a break, man. 